What a way to start, huh? That's amazing. Uh, hey, this is exactly why we're here. Moments like this. This is exactly why we planted this church almost four years ago for moments like this. And I just want to affirm you guys, he has used you in direct and indirect ways that led to a moment such as that. So I just want to confirm y'all how God really has been working through you and for you in this church to be a lot of the world. All right. So, hey, uh, first of all, I want to say good morning. How we doing? Uh, for those of y'all who don't know me, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here for our church, especially to our young adults. So shout out to some of our young adults here. All right. We have, they're all, they're, they're all, they're all at the 11 o'clock. They're still sleeping in right now. So we'll, we'll wait for them. All right. Uh, but I am uh, excited to be here today to simply share you a little bit of what God has to say this morning. So the title of today's sermon is Wake Up. All right, it's wake up. All young parents here, wake up. All right, including me. Uh, let me ask you, by raising of hands, who here is a morning person? All right, which explains you guys why I hear it at 9 a.m., okay? Who here is not a morning person? Well, good for you guys, good for you. That is great. Uh, another question to ask yourself might be, how many of you has hit the snooze button this week? You don't need to raise it. Oh, it's fine. You can, okay. Or when was, here's another one. Uh, when was the last time you took a sleep aid? Okay, maybe last night. I don't know. Uh, the question, the main question I want you to consider for today is that what if there's a snooze button that is keeping our souls from waking up? Like, what if there's a sleep aid that lulls our souls to sleep? And that, these things, these very things are preventing you from being fully awake to the things of God. And this is exactly what we will see as we dive into the book of Ephesians again. There are those in the church of Ephesus who have fallen asleep, spiritually speaking, and it'll show us that there is a way of life that lulls our souls to sleep, whether we realize it or not. And there's a way of life that keeps our souls from waking up. Spiritual snooze buttons and sleep aids that wants our souls to fall asleep. Because some of you might not realize that you've been asleep. All right, you've been asleep from seeing the joy of Jesus because of the lifestyle that you keep wanting to live. All right, some of you are in the danger of falling asleep. There are habits in your life. There are companies in your life. They're knocking on the devil's door. Some of you are awake. You're here. You sense the presence of God, but not fully awake. All right? You, you know the Lord, you're serving the Lord, you're aware of God, but the difficulties of life often take over, which comes with a lot of temptations that can lull you to sleep. So wake up. This is the call. You know, it's like sleeping through a movie only to wake up when it's all done. This is what it's, what is, it's like watching Avengers and you found out you missed the whole thing and you found out Iron Man died. Uh, hopefully I didn't mess it up for someone there. That's fine. All right. People know me here as spoilers. It's okay. Uh, 
You know what I'm saying? You missed out on everything. And in the same way, God wants you to wake up so you wouldn't miss out. He wants you to keep away. He wants you to keep watching him work so that you wouldn't miss out on the goodness and the purpose it comes with being with him. So the call today is to wake up. So in a lot of that, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 3 to 14. All right, back at it, back at it. Ephesians 5, 3 to, 4, 5, 3 to 14, and we're just going to read this together. Okay. But sexual, what a way to start. Thank you, Nate, for giving me this passage. Uh, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named even among you as is proper among the saints. Let there, let there not be filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What a great way to end it. Wake up. You see the flow of the sex. This whole passage is leading up to this call to wake up. And based off of this passage today, there are really two big threats that lulls your soul to sleep. There are two like sleeping aids and snooze buttons that is lulling our souls to sleep. So I want to touch on that for the rest of the time today. And these are the two things selfishness and deceitfulness. That's it. We're going to touch on those for a couple minutes. And then throughout that time, I'm simply going to spend some time now to give you proactive ways to stay awake, to wake up and to stay awake. Okay? Two threats and then two, a few proactive ways to stay awake. So number one, it's selfishness. You see now verse 3, it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity. Like all. Like all impurity. And in today's world, the online world, we have today, this, this phrase, all impurity in today's world, because of the online world we have, have expanded this phrase, all. This is the reality. It says in verse 3, covetousness. It's greed. 
It's those, this is a great definition, it's those with a strong desire to acquire and keep from themselves more and more money and possessions because they love, trust, and obey wealth rather than God. This is a definition of a soul that is asleep. Foolish talk, it says, verse 3, is the opposite of being sober-minded. It's using your speech with carelessness. It's using your speech with a lack of consideration. It's using your speech with a lack of a fear of God. It's being mean-spirited, having a complaining and judgmental spirit. Crude joking. Right here we see it again. No, they say laughter is the best medicine. While crude joking is using laughter as a poison rather than a medicine. All right? It's using humor to harm rather than to heal. No, these are the signs of a soul being lulled to sleep. And the one thing in common with these is a spirit of selfishness. Impurity, it's to feed on your lust. All right, greed, it's to feed on your desires for money. Foolish talk, it's to feed on, on your pride and ego. Crude joking, it's to use your wit for your glory. These are the very things, a selfishness, a spirit of selfishness that is threatening your souls from waking up, which is why Paul says in verse 3 that these things should not even be named among you. In the Amplified Version, not be named is translated as hinted. Hinted. Selfishness is so dangerous to the well-being of your souls that not even a hint of it should be found among you, among us. When people think of city like church, there must not be a hint of selfishness. This is almost the call for us. You know, a hint of selfishness is like taking a dose of sleep aid to your soul. All right, the more you fall asleep to sexual sin, the harder it'll be to wake up to the satisfaction of God. The more you fall asleep to greed, the harder it'll be to wake up to generosity. It'll be harder to wake up in purity. It'll be harder to wake up in generosity. It'll be harder to wake up to become more like Jesus. And you are going to miss out on all the wondrous things that Jesus is offering to you. So that's like, that's the tone there. But a lot of that, I want to give you proactive ways now to help us all stay awake to help you wake up and to help you stay awake. Christian life is an all-nighter for our souls. And these are the very things that's going to help you. Number one, let thankfulness heal your selfishness. Let thankfulness heal your selfishness. It says, verse 4, it says, let there be thanksgiving. All right, let there be thanksgiving. Verse 5 says, The idolater, which are those who do not know the Lord, say, Have no inheritance. But you who are in Christ have an inheritance that's worth thanking for every minute of the day. Christians should be the most thankful people in the world. We know this to be true. We know that as a fact. But here's the struggle for us all. 
Our lack of thankfulness is a result of our gospel forgetfulness. Okay? Our lack of thankfulness is a result of gospel forgetfulness. We forget that in Jesus, you are the richest person in the world. Like, you have a spiritual inheritance that surpasses worldly riches, and your selfishness is a symptom of your gospel forgetfulness. So let thankfulness heal your selfishness. A thankful speech heals a selfish heart. A thankful prayer heals a selfish purpose. The more thankful you are, the more awake you'll be. The more thankful you are, the more protected you'll be. You know, it's like going on a target. And, uh, all right. Uh, it's like going on target and you have a $100 budget. Okay? And then you get to 90. You know, you look at your cart, you got everything that you need, and you have about $90 worth of it. So you're walking to pay, and then you see something that you like. And you know if you get that thing, you'll just go over budget. Just a little bit, maybe more. Right? And what if, what if, instead of fighting off this temptation, you just say, God, thank you for providing me $90 worth of everything that I need here in this card. And you pay that, and you move on. Great. I'm dreaming here because that never happens in Target. All right? I'm dreaming here. But the point here is that staying awake requires a proactive thankfulness in the normal rhythms of your life. Like, thankfulness is going from you have to to you get to. Like, I have to read the Bible to I get to read the Bible. I have to go to work to I get to go to work. I have to serve to I get to serve. I have to budget to I get to steward. You know, I have to be pure to I get to be pure and to become more like Jesus. I have to give to I get to give. Because I have a Jesus who gave everything for me. I have to go home to I get to go home. A spirit of thankfulness can now see the temptations in your life as an opportunity to become more like Jesus. Why? Because your soul has been awake by thankfulness. This is what God wants you to do. To stay awake is to simply have a thankful heart as we go through normal rhythms of life. So let thankfulness heal your selfishness. Number two, let your identity empower your activity. Let your identity empower your activity. Verse one says that Paul called them as saints. All right, saints, this means holy ones. You are called holy in Jesus. All right, because of the perfect holiness of Jesus here on earth and his work on the, cry, on the cross to die for your sins, those who believe in him are now called holy. God sees you as Jesus in you. 
And not only are you holy, verse 8 shows us that he calls you as light. Verse 8 says, let me read this. It says, for at one time you were darkness. At one time you were in darkness. But the light of Christ who pursued you, who went after you, who gave everything for you. And as a result of that, you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Holy is your name, light is your nature. Holy is your name, light is your nature. You can live a life that is pleasing to God. You can produce the fruit of life as you see in verse nine, that is filled with all that is good and all that is true and all that is right. Let identity empower your activity. And some of you have fallen asleep to a false identity. Some of you have fallen asleep to a false identity that came from your work that came from what the world has to offer you, that came from others, and that what came from yourself. Some of you are building a false identity that does, that does not come from how God can and will label you in Jesus Christ. Holy is your name, light is your nature. You are saved, and what Paul is saying, your selfishness is causing, to, causing you to look unsaved. Because light is your nature. It's like, you know, say, this is how it works usually. If your soul is sleeping, right, at the end of the service, you say, we all say, go beat a lot of world, okay? And sleeping souls would be like, I have this light, I'm going to turn off the flash, right? We say, go beat a lot of the world. And one would say, yes, for sure. And all week, he does this, the sleeping. My life's right here. Great. Going through my normal life, but the light stays here, staying stagnant. Like it isn't going anywhere. It's not proactive. Like it's not alert to the sin around us and in us. It's not alert to the mission of God to be a light. So it stays here comfy to the lifestyle and little cocoon that you have made simply because your soul has been asleep. All right, there's some of you who say, hey, go beat a lot of world, right? Some of you are fired up. Let's go. But there are sinful habits in your life that are preventing you to be effective. So now what happens, all right, what happens all throughout the week, go beat a lot. I know the mission of God, but there are sins that have been unaddressed in your life. So you go on with your eyes closed trying to be a light and you just do this all week. And all of a sudden you drop it because you've been asleep on alert. You wake up again, go be light, go be light. And then you drop the ball once again and to the point where it harms the very witness that you ought to do for the people around you to be a light. This is one of the realities that Paul is saying, holy is your name, light is your nature. Let your identity empower your activity. You can do it in Jesus. Next is let your community help with your purity. Let your, like, allow your community to help improve, cultivate your purity. 
verse 1 says they are called saints. It's plural form. And I don't know if you know this fact. Every time you read the book, of, uh, the book of Ephesians, every time you see the word you, you are saints, you are this, the word you literally means you all. Or Necru would say y'all. All right? Y'all. I probably said that wrong too. Who knows? Uh, this is giving you a truth that there is a collective mindset that comes with your purity. Because what if your purity is not just about your relationship with God, but with others as well? What if your purity is connected to my purity? And what if my impurity is connected to your impurity? What if your purity is not just harming your soul, but others as well? Because here's the reality in verse 12. Verse 12, it says, it says first, verse 11 says, Take no part in fruitful, unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Why? For it is shameful, shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. What if your hidden impurity is slowly harming your community? Uh, some of you all know I'm an NBA fan. Uh, so last year, Golden State Warriors just won the championship, okay? So coming into the season, I was pretty excited for them. Man, nothing has really changed in the roster. They, they, can, they can win two straight this year. But something happened about a week before the season started. Draymond Green, he's one of the defensive leaders of the team, punched one of their teammates. Just punched, like knocked out. And someone from the staff leaked it to the, for the world to see. You know, leaked it. So he not only had to apologize to the team, he had to apologize to the rest of the world. And once I saw that, I just knew, man, they are in trouble. And I was right. I was right. They barely made it to the playoffs. And they struggled through the playoffs and got knocked out in the second round. And here's what's really interesting, though. A week later, a reporter asked Draymond Green, the guy who punched teammate, was like, he was like, if you didn't punch Jordan Poole, that guy, your teammate, would you still be playing? And emphatically, he said yes. Why? Why? Because he's had to spend the first four months apologizing and going lay low. And he didn't, he didn't play the leadership role that he had to because he had to make up for it. He had to take a step back. So even to the point where he didn't really address or he, wouldn't, he wasn't as vocal to address their defensive mistakes to the point that the whole team created bad defensive habits later on to the season. And then now when he came back to correct it, it was too late. So they didn't win. They got knocked out. And I say this because in a similar way, your hidden impurity might be creating harmful habits, habits to others. Like, what if your hidden impurity, hidden sin, is creating some harmful habits to your brothers and sisters? Now, that is not only affecting them, but is also affecting our goal to win a championship by being a light of the world. You know what I'm saying? This is exactly what happened in Joshua 7. All right, Paul, uh, God calls Joshua, right, to take the promised land, to conquer. You're going to win all these wars. 
And after winning, there's a guy named Achan who says they, he, he got the devoted things, the idols and all of the spoils for himself without telling no one. And later on, the next fight, they lost. So Josh was like, yo, God, what happened? What did you do? Well, it's because of Achan. So later on, this is what Joshua said in verse 25. He says, why did you bring trouble on us? And this is the same warning that God is giving us this morning. Don't let your hidden impurity bring trouble on your community. This is it. Let your community help with your purity. How now will they help? Let me give you an exercise here. Obviously, there are obvious ways, such as confession and accountability, that's very helpful. Here's another one. One of the most helpful exercises I did for myself is that I wrote down every name, every name, who could possibly be affected if my life were to fall in impurity. And then I thought specifically how these names would be affected by it. I'm telling you right now, wreck me. Because you now start to think that this is the community God has given me. And the way for that community to help me with my purity is to not only think about my own personal holiness of God, but my unholiness can affect their holiness. And this is not an exercise to guilt trip you more. This is not what I'm doing. But this is an exercise to keep us all sober-minded. Verse 3 said, right, not a hint of all these things shall be among you. But I do want to address anyone and everyone who is struggling in this fight right now. So by this time, as I preach, you already feel so guilty coming in this morning, and then you feel more guilty today. So hopeless. Like, you say not a hint, John? I had a heap of it. You know what I'm saying? For all of us. But hear these words. A hint of sin is cleansed by a heap of Jesus' blood. A hint of your sin is and will be cleansed by a heap of Jesus' blood. And there's something amazing here in verse 5. Because in verse 5, Paul calls, it says, the kingdom of Christ and God. You never hear that. You always say the kingdom of God, right? Jesus says the kingdom of God. Later on in Revelation, you say the kingdom of God. But all of a sudden, Paul says the kingdom of Christ and God. Why? 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 Here's why. Because this right now, Paul is saying, he's trying to tell you that you are now under the present reign and the future reign of God. Because of Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection, he is now in a place of victory. The enemy is under him and he's now reigning over him and so are his people. So for those struggling in this fight against impurity, against greed, greed, there is victory in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants to keep you from fighting from a place of defeat. But God empowers you to fight from a place of victory. 
The enemy wants you to fight from a victim mentality, but God empowers you to fight from a victor's mentality. Holy is your name, light is your nature. And in your struggle with sin, I'm telling you right now, you have the spirit. And he who is greater in you then is greater than he who is in the world. So now you can and you will and you can fight with a victor's mentality because Jesus is with you. And a hint of sin is cleansed by a heap of Jesus' blood. So this is now the threat of selfishness. I gave you three ways. And to close, we have now the threat of deceitfulness. You see now in verse six, it says, let no one deceive you. Lust is a lie. Underneath selfishness is deceitfulness. To act selfish is simply to believe a lie that you have justified yourself with. It says in verse 6 that these sons of obedience, sons of obedience are simply the people who have been thriving in sin. Thriving, not struggling, they're thriving. They were believing in a lie that because you are in Christ, you can do anything that you want. Sexual immorality here and there, you're fine, you'll be good. Greed here and there, you'll, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Right? You'll be okay. And this lie has seeped into the church of Ephesus, where some now were convinced to say that because I am saved, I am free to sin. Again, another picture of a sleeping soul. This lie goes, is a threat here more so than ever. I am, because I am saved, I am free to sin. That's the threat. The lie can lull you to sleep. A lie can lull your soul to sleep. This is the threat of deceitfulness, especially within us. So to close, here is one way to, to stay awake from, deceit, from deception. One is... Last one is, let conviction provide a path to restoration. This is it. Let conviction provide a path to restoration. Verse 11 says to expose these works of darkness. To expose the sin. Expose literally means to correct and to convict Expose the sin. Expose your sin. Obviously, this comes with gentle correction. This comes with firm convictions. This comes with bold gospel proclamations over someone and over yourself. And the point isn't to shame or to feel ashamed, but to be restored. Because when sin is exposed, it is now exposed by the light of Jesus Christ. 
Verse 14, it says, Wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So I found this uh, Carfax report online. It, the, this car is a... I don't even know what car it is. I just see a report. Oh, wait, it's a Lexus. Okay. So it says total loss. That's fine. No structural damage. Now let's get to the accidents. Uh, on June 4th, 2016, an accident was reported. On June 7th, 2016, another accident was reported. On June 17, 2016, another accident was reported. On June 22nd, 2016, another accident was reported. On July 27, the same year, another accident was reported. On August 11, 2016, another accident was reported. Three days later, another accident. This keeps going on and on to the point where they, this car has a total of 127 accidents. I promise you, I, this is not my car. No, no. Uh, my wife would like to believe so. Uh, here's the question. What if God were reading a Carfax report of your soul? What if you were to shine a light on that Carfax report and see the report of your soul? <laughs> That's scary. Here's the reality. But what if instead of calling this report totaled, he calls it redeemed? Purchased by my own blood. And what if instead of throwing this report into trash, he shines his light on it to give you restoration, to give you direction, to give you joy, to give you power, to give you satisfaction and help in your journey with him. What if God wakes you up and shines his light on you to experience all that he is for you? This is the call now to say, wake up. Like, wake up, everyone, from your former lives of sin. Like, wake up from the lies of this world. Wake up from your false identity. God is calling out to us today to wake up, to wake up, to wake up, and Christ will shine on us. And this is what he wants to do every step of the way. Let's pray. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the light that you have shined, God, on us. Would you keep us awake? Would you wake someone up today? By the power of your spirit. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So let's stand up to worship. And as always, we'll have a prayer team here. And again, we don't just want to worship, we want to respond to God. And we do that now.